You made it to Friday. It's the Fan Morning Show. Justin Nailish, first time I'm not a fan. You barely made it into the office this morning. However. I would say barely. That's a bit of an, an exaggeration, I'd say. Okay, you. you In had fact, some the first thing you said to me was like, "This wasn't late." <laughs> you had some difficulties. Yeah, Unexpected. I wasn't expecting uh, a little in, not inclement. Speaking of exaggerations, yeah, there you go. Uh, but yeah, a nice thick layer of ice. You had to get the scraper first, out. First try with the scraper. Maybe I don't have a good enough scraper. I wasn't getting any. I wasn't getting near glass. Is yours the the double ended one's got the scrape, one's got the brush? Yeah. Oh yeah. But it's it probably cost three dollars. Is it extendable? No, you're leaning over. This This is already trash. This thing has no power at all. Any uh, foam handle? I'm picturing it like it's like blue and black. Is it it? is straight plastic with a very dull end and uh, a pretty flimsy brush. So you couldn't get the ice off the windshield. He texted me saying, oh, maybe a little running a little hot into the office today. You saw it lots of time, but. It was okay. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's scary. It's 530 if no one's, no one else is in the studio. You're like, okay. I started looking at. Should we make contact here? And then you don't want to be the one that's like over anxious. What do I talk about? Yes. How am I going to carry. What a night. No Toronto 40 sports. 40 minutes alone where uh, nothing happened last just night. Played clips. Just and it's impossible thoughts. to find the Canadian women's national team soccer game anywhere <laughs> on uh, media. So right. it would have been an issue. It would have been, but glad you're here. Um, that's a PSA out. to get out there, warm your vehicles up. It'll help with the scraping I the was ice. actually thinking about that. Like if I just put turn my car on full blast on the heat, how long would it take for this thing to thaw out? I think it would be in several said, hours still. What? That bad? It I was, was going to say like 10 minutes. No. It didn't thaw out by the time I got here. Wow. It was pretty thick. It's a different world up there in Vaughn. It was, the the difference was it rained there and it snowed he a little bit. He crossed the 401 and it's a different climate. Oh, yeah. Built different up there. <laughs> different time zone. Different <laughs> climate. Yeah. Um, I bet our Ian the snowplow driver, you out there, buddy? You icing? Uh, what is the six month contract for those guys? No, they still got time. I think they still got time. But I think we, they said it goes to March. I don't want to say we're out of the woods here, but what, we were 10 degrees this week? True. And I was frankly shocked when I stepped outside today and saw that I had to uh, lift a finger on my way out. Yeah, no, it's looking pretty uh, looking pretty warm for the next stretch here. So I was concerned because uh, we'll, we'll get into the weekend plans here, going to a cottage, going to a friend's cottage. Uh, and going I to thought, Skokes? I thought, what are we doing here? Are we just going to be slushing around in like really warm weather? Is it going to be 10 degrees this entire weekend? Uh, probably not. Now, it's probably going to be a little bit of a battle given what I just went through on the way up there. Because if it was cold rain, freezing rain where I was, mm-hmm. there's got to be some uh, there's got to be some problems up north. There'll be some icy. So maybe side dealing roads. with something going in. You going to you going the to winters are on no problem. Are you going to Skokes? The boys. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, the boys. The 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 full families, full couples. Oh, full couples up Beautiful. there, and all the all the most of my friends have children. So they're this is getting a different, no, they're this getting is a different weekend. No, no, they're getting away from oh, the children. Oh, this is a big banger of a weekend for you. So uh, it'll Justin. be it'll be interesting to see how uh, how they wade into the waters this weekend. Justin doesn't often leave the hamlet of his street. It's no hamlet. The well, small cul de sac of, hamlet, of yeah. where you live. So for you to be venturing into your vehicle up the four hundred to Muskoka, which is another different time zone and different climate. To spend time with others is a big weekend for you. It is a big weekend. I'm proud of you. And I'm, I want to know how to maximize this weekend. And I, I think, like, you're the one who's wearing, like, this is a perfect, you're wearing the perfect cottage sweater right now. Like, you're always cottage. I'm ready. It feels like you're always cottage ready. So I'll ask you. It's mid-Feb. How do you enhance a mid-Feb cottage weekend? Like, what should I, what should I bring? What should I do? What should I suggest? Mm-hmm. Is there something, is there some sage advice, some wisdom that you can provide me? A thousand percent. Okay, let's hear it. You need to bring slippers. And let me tell you why. Just don't. Do I? Don't be negative. Okay. You need to bring slippers because the in and out of the front door will be a slushy, icy crapshoot because everyone's going to be putting their boots there. And then water starts to trickle around. And if you step in one of those puddles at the front door, you're screwed. Your socks are soggy. Bring a little pair of slippers. It's cozy. You feel like you're at home, but you're not. Okay. It's just like a little touch of added comfort. Okay. And it's just, they're your slippers. Okay. Slippers. Just bring a pair of slippers and it's nice to have. That make, way. You, make sure the feet also, are warm. Nobody wants to see your naked feet, Justin. I might not feel my feet by 
9 p.m. though. Nobody wants to see the toes, the feet, and you know what? You probably don't what have. Do you mean? No one wants to see my feet. You're gonna have bare feet hanging out on the couch in like someone's face. I feel like cottage ing is when you're cottaging properly. It is bare feet. Maybe in the summer when you're out tarps out off playing flip cup. 100%. This is different. This is winter, cozy. What's the difference between winter and summer feet? Nobody wants to big difference. Nobody wants What's to see difference? your cracked calloused heels, okay? <laughs> bring slippers, bring socks. Right. It'll be nice. It'll be an added level of comfort. You'll thank me on Monday morning when you're like, it was nice to have slippers. It was good to feel a level okay. of comfort. Okay. Well that's one. Do you have do you have a couple? Um Maybe you'll no. think about it. Maybe we'll ask the text line. I like I was a, thinking more of like a onesie. <laughs> Okay, so a oh, onesie. I'm not going to be wearing a onesie. With the amount of uh, BLs consumed, I feel like the onesie getting on and off would be an issue. <laughs> don't they have Someone the ones for guys? Someone just walk in on me patch. and I'm trying to get a onesie back on. I don't think anyone wants to see that. They don't have the forget, trap door. Forget ones. my feet. I don't think the onesie off is anything anyone wants <laughs> to really see. That's really true. Uh, I was thinking more of, okay, so I'm, I'm a little concerned about I want to get on the pond and, and play a little hockey. Mm-hmm. And that's the plan. But I'm concerned about getting down to the ice in terms of shoveling. Oh, did you got to go down a hill? Does it have, does it have um, I, I just stairs? don't know if we're going to be able to dig down deep enough. Like, should, we be, tr- should we be trying to bring a snowblower? Is that possible? You know what you need? The Turo skate that Murray Feely Poulin came on the show to help no, promote. We, we, we do, but we need snow removal. That was it. It's a Turo snow. Oh, no, that's a Zamboni. It, yeah, isn't that remove the snow too? No, that thing is Put icing. Put a plow that in the front of it. Flooding the ice. I need. I need to get to the ice. You're gonna have to grind. You're gonna have to bring, maybe bring your own shovel. Not the quality of shovel that your windshield ice the, the scraper is. Mm. You need to elevate. Okay. The plan was actually a few of the guys with fewer responsibilities, i.e., me, were supposed to go up earlier and try to get some of this done before the owner gets there and allows us in. Uh, that is that plan is simply dissolved. Oof. Well, or I wish has, you the best of luck on that. Dissolved. I don't know if we're going to get there, but now I'm thinking I need to float out a text. Does anyone, can anyone get their snowblower up there? I think that's maybe something we need to explore. Clayton has a really good suggestion, which I should have thought of immediately. Fireball. Fireball whiskey? What else is, what else other type of? I don't know. We were talking about melting snow. I was like, is there like some sort of tarot <laughs> fireball in, machine? I meant in terms of things you, you should bring. Just bring a flamethrower out there and melt things the snow you should that bring. Way? Fireball, of course. Yeah, I think that's a, the yeah, boys a, will a love pretty it. good suggestion. Yeah. The fireball warm you from the inside out. Um, Forget Je- slippers. Jesse Pickering says, I'll let you guys know what Muskoka's like in like two hours. Ice won't be thick enough depending on the lake he's going to. Lake, really? Lake Muskoka not nearly frozen enough. Oh, well, I won't You're dox my friend. One? Yeah, I think it's a pretty, it's not Lake Muskoka, but I, I think it's... Oh, you're uh, going to Lake Joe, eh? I'm not saying Buddy, anything. I'm not big saying... Big money guy. No, well, it's a nice cottage, I will say that. Okay, uh, okay. If, it's a, if that's the issue, though, maybe we won't be on the ice. All right, well, there will be zero if it's Lake near the sh- If it's near the shore, is it... I don't know. These are maybe the comments. I'll, maybe I'll fall through the ice this Oh, this, my this God. Week. Don't say that. Maybe It's possible. These are the comments. There will be zero Lake Shinny. If there's no rink already, you're not playing pond hockey. The ice will be no good. Yeah. Kind of okay. sounds like you're screwed. Okay. That maybe sucks. you should go snowshoeing That's instead. That's a damper. That's a damper on the weekend. I will not be going snowshoeing. Well, It'll be all BLs if we can't get onto the ice. You won't be leaving. It, it, you know what would be nice? If you had a nice pair of slippers to just cozy up with your BLs. That might be it. It might be just like watching Tiger Woods at the Genesis Open all weekend long, if he makes the cut. Jesse and Pickering again. How far from Gravenhurst? I'm not I'm not a uh, ge- geography oh, expert God, up Look there. at a map. He said I it's been really warm for 12 days. You're screwed, man. It would. It's probably close enough to Gravenhurst. Okay, we'll take a look. Yeah, you're you're in trouble. All right, that's a little bit of a downer. Well, maybe I won't waste time packing my my gear. Yeah, maybe don't go out there and test it. You'd be the guinea pig. All right, Justin's going to go out and skate. Again, the guy with <laughs> least responsibilities is probably the one that's going to have to be the guinea pig. So instead, you should potluck some, get to your slow cooker going today, bring some pulled pork, and then you're like, hey, no, I brought this. Send Big Mac out there on the ice. It's a good idea. <laughs> All right. Well, that's Justin's weekend. Maybe we'll see well, Monday. Maybe what we won't. What are you won't. doing this weekend? I got nothing planned, buddy. You have nothing planned. Leafs game I Saturday. I find that hard to believe. Leafs game Saturday. I'm getting my hair cut today. Oh. I'm bringing my car to the shop. Uh, suddenly you're unloading plans <laughs> you're this right, weekend. I have a lot going on. I got to get my oil changed because okay. I care about 
my car not baby. dying. Yeah. And I went to get a car wash last week. Mm-hmm. Look at me taking care of my vehicle. And I guess the pressure of the car wash was so intense that it... <laughs> My front headlights stopped working. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's had this issue before. There must be a, a, a tiny invisible crack because must water must have got in and the front headlight has been working. And I'm water terrified to get pulled over on my way to work when it's pitch black and you can tell the one headlight is working. So I've been driving around with my bikes I, I on. Don't, I don't know if they'll buy the car wash story either. I know, and it sounds so Officer? obscure, but literally I came out of the car wash and the front headlight wasn't working. The light was on on the dash saying your headlight's not working. And all I did was go through a 10-foot car wash with the power must have been so strong that it my headlight stopped working. So I'm going to get it fixed right after the show. So oil change, front headlight haircut it's a big weekend for me and this uh, this is all this weekend this spread is all or is it within today? the next six Can hours yeah, six hours <laughs> like no, like step into the weekend step and then into I'll be doing nothing chore so. central for you here. No, well i just i don't want to i don't want to be a hazard on the road i want my fellow drivers That's to you, feel though. safe if there's an issue, issue you address it immediately but yeah driving around with your brights on i feel like a bit of a scumbag but i'd rather do that than have one headlight out and get a ticket right yeah, yeah. anyway no one's on the road at five in the morning so i haven't blinded anybody all good. That's the weekend plans. Seems like you might have the more fun weekend for the first time ever. So best of luck. For the first time ever. Nice. Okay. Uh, lots of tea up today in terms of our guests. We've got Justin Bourne joining us at 640. Of course, we're going to talk about his new book and celebrating four years sober. Um, that'll be great. He's going to come on during the A-list because he's going to be our A-list guest. So he'll be there at 640. Brian Anderson, NBA and TNT play-by-play announcer is going to join us at 7 a.m. He did the LeBron call. The big moment. He's going to be doing his first NBA All-Star game this weekend. And if you missed it yesterday, we teed up the biggest acquisition in Toronto sports lore in the last week. My buddy, Flo from Dartmouth. We just spoke this into existence, by the way. Yesterday, I just on a whim said, hey, guys, here's a cool story. Flo's joining us on the show at 730. Newest uh, Toronto Argonaut. What are we doing with Flo? You I got don't plans know. for that? We'll figure it out. Okay. Um, and then Joshua Cloak at 8 a.m., who's a Maple Leafs and Canada soccer writer, which tees up perfectly our first topic, which is the She Believes Cup last night or yesterday early evening. Canada and United States played in the first game of their She Believes Cup. USA won 2-0. Obviously, the story is off the field, but the two teams did go head-to-head. And I got to say, there's a lot of off-the-pitch drama happening with Canada, and you could tell. Yeah, you said the story was off the field, but it kind of bled into, I think, mm-hmm. what we saw on the field. Uh, I'll be honest. Part of the problem is that watching this game was nearly impossible. And you don't think those things are tied to money making and squabbles over mm-hmm. pay and equity and all that stuff? Uh, yeah, I think there's a connection there. Uh, but I did catch the first, I think, 20 minutes of the game uh, through means in which I will not uh, detail because... It was hard to find the game, and I had to be creative. And I did watch the first 20, and they were getting completely outplayed. Mm -hmm. It was kind of sad, actually, because that's not the Canada we remember from the Olympics. It's not the Canada, or it wasn't the Canada, uh, that we remember in big spots as this team grew into one of the world powers. It was kind of uh, one-way traffic with the Americans absolutely dominating the run of play, which was sad but also predictable because, hey, guess what Canada's been doing for the last couple weeks? fighting with its own organization, mm-hmm. not training, not training well, uh, and exhausting their energy in and di- diverting their energy into means in which they shouldn't be or shouldn't have to do. So uh, I think it was probably pretty predictable, actually, what happens, unfortunately, because if your athletes are not put in a position to succeed at that level, they will have it affect their performance. The margins are very thin, and if you take away from a team... If you don't let them prepare properly, guess what? That's the sort of effort, not effort, that's the sort of performance you're going to get. And so in a show of solidarity before the game, and, and there's a couple things that I think are maybe positive from this yesterday was that the Canadian team and the American team found a way to have purple um, as a part of their pregame and they they wore their jerseys inside out as we know but purple is like a historically associated with efforts to achieve gender equality they all came together before the game in a big circle on the field and Mm -hmm. that's a really powerful sight because these are the biggest rivals in basically every sport canada the united states we hate each other we are often 
you know, the two pillars of whatever sport going head to head. Canada just won a gold medal. These these are not a friendly... Beat the Americans in the semifinal on the way to do that. Exactly. And to see these two powerhouses come together and have this moment, there's really no better team for Canada to have played yesterday because we know the Americans have had their own successful equal pay fight. They've gone through this just a few years before. Um, they emerged with some victory. They had the most player-friendly contract in women's sports, an agreement that took a lot of time and effort. Um, they did lose the... They had to go to federal court. They had to go through so much stuff that now Team Canada might actually be on the cusp of doing. So if there's a team that gets it, if there's a team that will openly speak about another team in a positive light Mm -hmm. and support, it's the United States. So for them to go head-to-head yesterday, a little bit more important than the outcome of the game, which is 2-0 for the United States. But I just thought it was a really powerful moment. And what the American girls say holds so much weight, as I said, because they've gone through it. It's just like what I have not really been super a part of maybe was the PWHPA and how when I played in the CWHL and the league folded, how we all had to come together. And it was like, you're in a room with Hillary Knight, Marie-Philippe Poulin, two people that basically have gone head to head for everything mm-hmm. and putting the the guard down and saying, we need to fight together to help each other. It's just kind of what's happening with seeing the two powerhouses, the United States and Canada do this in soccer. So a powerful moment nonetheless. And um, I just hope that we get the ball rolling a little bit here with, with the big stance yesterday, the active um, lack of showing a, a lack of support for their organization, putting their, their shirts inside out, wearing purple, being very outspoken about how they don't want to be there. Yeah. Uh, important parallels uh, you outlined there, uh, of course, between Canada or sorry, uh, between hockey and soccer and these two countries, of course, you have to worry, though. I mean, the the World Cup is this year, mm-hmm. and the ability for this team to train together and compete together and prepare together for a major, major event for which they could be considered one of the favorites as reigning Olympic champions. Yeah, that's being compromised right now. Yeah, they were on the field. Yeah, they're going to play in this tournament, which has handpicked some elite teams around the world, uh, but it didn't seem like they were ready for it, and the opportunities after this tournament are going to be scarce as well. And guess what? It looks like they're going to be fighting tooth and nail with their own organization. Uh, you know, I don't think that's ending anytime soon, or at mm-hmm. least it doesn't seem like it's going to end anytime soon. It's going to take a while, you would expect, based on history and where they are at right now. So, unfortunately, this seems like it's all going to affect them. And yeah, the United States has come out on the other side. But the United States, like as a country, they invest in sport. Even their problematic situations are probably a lot better than certain countries around the world and probably what Canadian athletes playing lesser appreciated sports are used to. The United States generally does sport correctly. Of course, they had to fight for theirs within that own own ecosystem and women's hockey players have had to do that as well. Um, But this is something that's that you'd expect to not just be solved within the snap of the fingers it's probably going to take a while. And unfortunately, that's probably going to come at the expense of proper preparation for the World Cup. So post-game, a lot of good uh, media availability in terms of both sides of the pitch getting an opportunity to talk about the moment that is happening and, and hopefully the outcome of it. We have um, Christine Sinclair. Obviously, we know her as the leader of this team, and the leader of this movement, talking about how Canada is not going to back down from this fight. We're not going to back down until things change. Um, and any little chance we, we get to kind of get the message across, we're going to take. We just want it fixed, uh, whether that's with the help of government, whether that's just the association stepping up and being honest with us. Um, well, at this point, we'll take anything. And then on the other side, I just wanted to play uh, USA star uh, Megan Rapino about the same type of wavelength, but she's an American pillar of the sport. This is her support for Canada. I think it was just that moment of like, we know what you guys are going through. Um, you know, even just looking at some of them um, and just like having that moment, it's like we feel you and we're with you and um, we'll do anything that we can, obviously in our power to support you and um, help you help them get what they deserve. So that support obviously is very, very important, but uh, you got to find different streams of support. And I, I think it's worth asking ourselves and I think it's worth asking yourself how you can support if you so choose to support. Now, 
there are different ways, right? Could you buy a TV subscription service to watch the game? Uh, I guess so. Uh, could you buy a jersey online? Uh, I guess so. But yeah, where do those funds go? I mean, you might be a little bit skeptical of if you're investing where that money is going to go. Is it going to line the pockets of new suits bought this summer? Or is it going to go to these players? I should verify and fact check this. We'll look it up. But there are some shirts, apparently purple ones that are going around that go straight to players or go straight to organizations that would be more so on the side of the players rather than, hey, let's support Soccer Canada. I want to support Soccer Canada, but can you in good conscience support Soccer Canada when all this is going on? I'm not really sure. So you got to do your own research in that regard. But if you do want to help, if you do want to support figure out ways in which you can support properly or support the people who you want to support. Uh, I think that's a worthy exercise for those who are interested in the story and would like to see the Canadian women get the support that they do deserve. And so Joshua Cloak, as we mentioned, a Canadian soccer writer, he'll have lots of insight on this and maybe an answer to your question of the proper way to support. Um, He's on at 8 a.m. today. So yesterday we had uh, soccer and golf. Mm-hmm. And golf was great. It's we like had, an alt parlay. It was like our alt parlay. Uh, Tiger Woods, back in action, um, ended his round with three consecutive birdies. What a nice way to go off <laughs> the screen yesterday on uh, 16, 17, 18. Um, he's five shots back of Max Homa and Keith Mitchell, who are the co-leaders currently. Uh, a nice afternoon viewing experience as we teed up. Mm-hmm. I think it was all about viewing experiences yesterday. Yesterday for the soccer trouble finding it yesterday for the golf we talked about hey how excited are you going to be for that first shot how are you excited are you going to be if tiger woods is you know chugging along at plus two nine shots back of the leader who who got into the clubhouse early in max homa uh what what is it going to feel like and it kind of felt like what i talked about like it's like uh like this is fun and i'm interested but i'm like kind of experiencing a little bit of dread where it's like okay he's going to start spraying it around here but when you look at it, he it almost seemed like he was a little unfortunate to only shoot what he shot. Like, he was going pretty much toe-to-toe with uh, Justin mm-hmm. Thomas and Rory McIlroy. He was spraying it a little bit at times. He he lost control of his driver, and he was struggling to hit the fairway. But he did recalibrate, and he found a way to continuously outdrive those guys over and over, over again, it seemed. And he had some moments where it's like, oh, wow, Tiger does still have it. And the funniest thing is the broadcast is like, anytime there's a great shot, they're like so eager to be like, he's still got it. Of course. And like, I get it. But like, then the next shot goes wayward into well, the, it's, and it's just like, that's yeah. not, that isn't Tiger. It isn't Tiger of old. No, we agree but there's that still it's not moments peak Tiger. Of Tiger. And then 16, 17, 18 happens. And what, that's like the birdie on 18 Everyone's for the weekend warrior. Up. You, you bring me back in. Now I want to watch tomorrow. And I'm still going to have a little bit of that dread that's inside. But to watch him only five shots back in the hunt to make a cut, uh, cut obviously, mm-hmm. and just playing really competitive golf with two players who are the best or among the best in the world right now. It is fun, and I can't wait to go home and watch. I think he's on at 10 a.m. this morning. It's a real 10, early start. 24 a.m. Real. That's a quick turnaround. What he got? He got off the course yesterday at what? Right. Eight o'clock, mm-hmm. and now he's back on the course again at at, at ten. I know that's. Leg. I know that's not necessarily uh, a newsflash to people who consume golf that you start late and then start early. Uh, but for someone who mm-hmm. is dealing with the injuries he's dealing with, it might be a bit of a challenge. But we'll see if Tiger Woods is up for it. So his first competitive round since last year's Open Championship. So obviously there's going to be a little bit of uh, butterflies and nerves. And he spoke about this post-match um, or post-round, opening round there, about, you know, he kind of had to overcome a little bit of the uh, the butterflies. I was able to simulate nerves at home because I've come off layoffs before and I was able to simulate that stuff, but there's nothing like come game time. Uh, just the feeling of the butterflies and trying to calm all that stuff down, the adrenaline, the ball goes further, even though it's cold out here. It was going even further than I than we expected. Um, I had to dial all that back in. Joey hadn't seen me hit a golf ball in a while, and so obviously he's his feels are. We're, we're trying to get, you know, the the, the feels for out there and then the shots and the distances, um, and we adapted very quickly. And uh, as I was alluding to earlier, it was uh, unbelievable pairing. So to have those two great guys and. Uh, two great loops on the bag. Uh, you know, Bonesy and Joey go back forever. So um, it was a lot of fun. 
All right, 10.24 a.m., they're teeing off. Big banter round that was. The guys are just, well, as he talked about, yeah, they're it just having, they're having fun out there, which is great to see. So keep your eyes on that. Maybe your Wake and Rake pick comes from that. That'd be fun. That's at 590, 590. Mm. We will get to all of that in the 830 block. But with the NBA All-Star weekend ready to kick off here, we thought we would do our own NBA All-Star draft. So as we mentioned when we speak to Brian Anderson at 7 a.m., which we talked to him, caught up with him yesterday because he's He's a busy guy. He's a busy guy. There'll be a little bit of a different format to the all-star game and all-star draft so lebron and Giannis, who Giannis actually left the game yesterday with uh wrist soreness i'm not sure if we i was have, hoping you didn't know that uh you don't think i did you, my eh? research buddy. i wasn't gonna pick him we don't know for sure if he's playing or not um but he did leave last night's game with wrist soreness so eyes on that one um, i think we should just go forth and draft like he's playing um, but what's going to happen this year is they will be doing the draft directly before the All-Star game. So a little bit more intrigue, excitement, these guys going head-to-head. They're basically throwing sticks. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, LeBron's getting first overall pick. He's been the captain every year and has never – he's been a captain every year and has never lost, taking a 5-0 record into this year's game. So every time he's been captain, he's been a winner. Um, we're going to draft our own All-Star lineup. So we're we have the – all-star starters. I got a question. Are we be are we role playing LeBron James and Giannis? No, these are our own teams. Or we are the captains, they are to be selected. This is how I view this going. Is you and I are just ten players worth throwing the sticks. We're drafting our starting five, I thought. Yeah, so ten players. Yeah. Okay. And it doesn't have to be anyway, I'm I'm I'll let you take whichever route you'd like to take in terms of why you select the players you select, but you have the option for the whole player pool and also the reserves. Oh, so it's not just the starters that I can select from. Let's take a six man too. That's what I meant. Okay. So we are taking the 10 starters for the NBA all-star weekend and then adding a six. So we got one bench player. Do you want to start? Do you want to go first? I want to be able to draft bench players onto my starting lineup. Okay. Then that's fine. I'm going off the off the board a bit. You can you can take the inferior team if you'd like. No problem. You want to do your coin flip that you do for um, pick a side? Sure. The because... virtual coin flip is being pulled up. All right. Do you want heads or tails? Heads. You are not selecting first. No problem. Okay. I'm going to choose from the actual starting ten mm-hmm. with my first pick, and probably all picks. If we're being honest, Nikola Jokic, the two-time reigning NBA MVP who might win again, who should win again, and only will not win again if voters decide, hey, do we actually want to give him another one? Because he is the best player in basketball. He's the most productive, efficient player in basketball. Yeah, he might not be the sexiest pick in all ways and all uh, definitions of the word, but he's the best basketball player on the planet right now. He's the most efficient and I want efficiency on my team. I want that big presence in the middle. Nikola Jokic is my number one draft pick. Okay, who are you picking? I want my all-star team to be electric factory. I want scores. I want shooters. I want energy. I don't want slow defenders that are yeah, blocking at want, the rim. You want inefficiency from the mid-range? 100%. This isn't okay. about winning an NBA okay. championship. This is about scoring 200. I thought we were trying to win the game. I'm taking a different route. All right. This is about 250 points plus put up by my team because we're draining buckets. But my first pick since you left him out is going to be Luka Doncic. Okay. Shooter, playmaker, fun, loves it. He's going to have a lot of eyes on him. It's going to be a, an incredible start to my team's roster already. But I'm going to go with Luka Doncic to start. I'm hoping to get um, a couple other people that I'm thinking maybe you're not going the same direction as me, which is perfect. But my first pick is Luka Doncic. Yeah, keeping on that theme, I'll add another big. Joel Embiid is going to be Hold my second pick. your team's pick. boring. I'm going to just clog the paint. Joel Embiid, who's replacing Kevin Durant as an all-star starter, will pair with Nikola Jokic. I'm not really sure how you can prepare or even think that you could begin to handle Jokic and Embiid on the same on the same team. I get I'm big heavy. I might be slow. You might be able to beat me a little bit in transition. But if we're playing a half-court brand of basketball, I don't know how, other than settling for jump shots, you're going to keep up with my team 
with Jokic and Embiid. If I'm going to keep rolling here with my team, I want LeBron James. I want a legend on my team. You want, I, the, you want the grandfather? I want someone that's going to be uh, media heavy. This is a this is a weekend that is about attention and fun. It's the NBA All-Star weekend. There's kids in attendance. People want to watch the the goats. So I'll take LeBron James on my team. No problem. I'm not worried about it. All right. I'll, uh, I'll add a little flash to my team here. Another reserve for the All-Star starters, at least. John Morant. You want to go big and small? You want someone who could lob it up to Jokic and Embiid? You want a guy who can uh, connect both sides of the court? Make sure that we have the guy who can keep up with your guys running up and down the court. I like John Morant to pair uh, with two bigs to make life miserable on you. You're not worried about his not worried about off anything. the court drama. He's at the game. <laughs> Should he be at the game? I'm not sure, but he's at the game. Okay. Um, so our team currently, you've got Jochic. No, I've got you. You've got, got Jochic. I've got Jokic. Embiid and John Morant. Yes. So you have three. You've done three. I got Luca, LeBron. I'm going to take. Luca and LeBron. I see. I want to already go into the reserves. Exactly. I'm taking Shea. I've got you in a. Okay. That's I'm taking not, Shea. I'm not happy about that, but. I want Shea on my team. He's your guy. I sniped him from you. He's he is can- my guy. He's our Canadian hero. Playmaker, crafty, high flyer. He's young. He's going to care. He's going to go out there and play with speed. He's going to be fun to watch. He's going to want to put on a show. He's going to bring energy. That's what I want on my team. I want the best people to watch play basketball. And lately that has been Shea. Uh, sprained wrist or not, give me Giannis and, to, and Tentacumpo. Uh, let's just get all the bigs and all the defensive presence and, and a guy who can basically run over anyone you have on your roster at this point. Like, are you going to put someone in the middle to deal with my driving Giannis and Tentacumpo, who's going to be buoyed by Jokic <laughs> and Embiid? I mean, I'm just, uh, I'm overwhelming your team with size and skill with Jokic, Embiid, and Giannis. You might lull to my with team ja to Morant. sleep. You're right. Oh, yeah. My, my team's so boring with <laughs> Jokic, Embiid, Morant, and Giannis. Okay. Um, so is this my last pick? Oh, no, I have a couple this more. This is your second to last. Okay. Um, all right. So you're worried about me not having anyone to, what, shut you down? Um, if you don't make the right pick here and I get this player, uh, I, I, I can't even tell you how big of a landslide this is going to be. You just took Giannis, right? I'm just yes. uh, highlighting your players. I'm trying to think of what route you're going. Clock is ticking. Um, you know what? I'm all for fun. I want our no. I was gonna say, yeah, I'm doing it. Julius Randall, Hall of Famer. Oh, gosh. Bring him on to the team. I want the text line involved. He's been captain of our all, all my bigs are gonna cook Randall. I don't care. This team is about fun and I want my team to have Julius Randall because he's a Hall of Famer for the Wake and Rake. And you know what? Give some people an opportunity to play. Okay, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Jason Tatum and take, I think, the top four players in the MVP odds board, at least the four with the shortest odds. Uh, With Tatum, Giannis, Embiid, Jokic, and Morant, I have the superior team. I will let the names do the talking. Don't I have one more? Yes. Um, We're going with DeMontis Sabonis from the Beam team. Okay. Uh, Okay, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. My team is more fun. Are we doing a reserve? Yeah, and more, okay. ex- more exciting. Okay, Last we quick, we got to go to a break quickly here. So I'm going to take, because I want the home whistle, Lori Markin is my sixth man. All right. So you've got Giannis, Jokic, Embiid, John Morant, Lori Markkinen. Is that right? And uh, Jason Tatum. Yep. It's a pretty good team. Thank uh, you. LeBron James, Luka Doncic, Julius Randle, Shea, DeMontis Sabonis, and... Uh, Your last one? Quickly. Quickly. I'll take Donovan Mitchell. Thank you. That was the right pick. All right. That's our team. Goodness gracious. Um, I think you might win that one, but I'm going to have more fun. Justin <laughs> Bourne on the other side of the break. Coast, a real kipper and Bourne and author of Down and Back is going to join us to talk about his new book and the journey that he's on and how we can be a part of supporting that. That's next on the Fan Morning Show. Sportsnet 590. The Fan.
Okay, back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590. The Fan, Justin Cuthbert and Ailish Forfar. We are joined now by one of the most talented guys in the industry. Uh, that's Justin Bourne, co-host of Real Kipper and Bourne and author of his new book, Down and Back. Bourne celebrated four years sober yesterday. Down and Back was officially released on Tuesday. It's been a big week. First off, Bourne, congratulations on the book. And more importantly, I think reaching this point, um, you have an immense influence in the hockey world. And I think above anything else, this book is going to help people. And uh, we're, we're really proud that uh, you're a teammate of ours. And we're really happy that you've been able to share your story. Do we have Bourne? I thought we had oh, Bourne. You- Oh, you do oh, have one. I'm here. Hello. Hey, Hi. Hello. Sorry, guys. I'm, apparently, I'm new at being on the radio. Um, I had you on mute. But thank you very much, Justin, for the kind words, man. I, I appreciate that. It has been a week. It has been, um, you know, initially, I kind of thought it may be overwhelming, but it's been really uplifting. You know, the, the amount of people who have some sort of connection to a, a story, you know, with, whether it's alcoholism in the family uh, their own struggles or, um, you know, just sort of the, the ties to the hockey side of it. I've heard from a lot of people who have a lot of really, you know, personal things to say, and, and it's been neat to be let into people's lives like that. And, you know, one thing I think that's going to come from this, I've, I said, I don't know if my book publisher feels this way, but even if it doesn't sell, I'll consider it a success just because I, um, you know, have really got to connect with people on a level that I, you know, when I'm, when I was drinking, when I was isolating, I never got to. So it, it has felt meaningful and, and it's been a really cool week for sure. Uh, new to the radio apparently is me who didn't really ask a question there and just <laughs> open the floor. Uh, what, I wonder, cause like, I, I feel like, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but something has to be, it has to feel a little bit relieving to be at this point where it's out and uh, you can now talk about it and you're getting positive feedback mm. and all that stuff. But I do wonder about the emotions leading up. Like, was there, was there a lot of trepidation? Was there some hesitancy? What did you feel as you were not even reaching the point of this week, but reaching the point where you were announcing it on Twitter that you were uh, that you had authored this book and that you had been or were an, and still are an alcoholic, like wh- where where mm-hmm. did the, those emotions conflict? I guess with where you are now. You know what the hardest part was is you know the my story has been inextricably linked with my dad's right, and you know everywhere I have been in my career, it's you know Justin Bourne, son of Bob Bourne. And if you have read the book or get the chance to read the book, a part of you know the opening chapter really walks through one of the most, you know, the hardest moments for me as a son of, of you know, Stanley Cup champion, you know, it, where dad gave me a Stanley Cup ring uh, for high school graduation back in 2000. And uh, the story, you know, that I tell leads with my dad coming to, to Toronto and stealing the ring back to sell it. You know, and it, it that damn near broke me. So I, in talking about that, it's personal and it's going to, I knew it would hurt my dad. Um, at the same time, the book after that aims to redeem him and redeem people who've been through stories like that. So obviously all of that is very personal. And my whole fear leading up to the book coming out is that um, it would either hurt my dad or it would have people feel like I had, you know, taking shots at my dad in some way when in all honesty, I just wanted to tell my story. And as I wrote the book, I recognized that I couldn't write it without his story. You know, they are woven together and that pain and those experiences through his drinking affected me in a way that other people can relate to through their own fathers on different scales, you know, hurting them, um, you know, whoever it is in their family. So I had some discomfort about that when he finally read the book uh, before it came out and was supportive and wanted a fresh start and was a you know they wanted to come to Toronto and reconnect with my kids. It was groundbreaking because then I felt good about the book that the book had been a positive in my own life and so it um, now I really am excited to promote it and talk about it because it's not going to be harmful to him. It's a positive for my family. And I'm sure you see that as quite therapeutic personally as well with your relationship. And I wonder, and I haven't had a chance to read it, but that's my weekend plans, um, is <laughs> if you explore um, any like intergenerational addiction. And, and now that you're a father, I wonder how much that allowed you to feel confident. And, and also something that you think about often now is like you're in the role of you're a father and how this is a, a, a maybe like a, a chain or how you can break that or how you can begin to talk about it so it's an, uh, something that you're aware of and you're addressing yeah no it's and that that's 
stresses me out. <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, it's like I, I will have the opportunity because of getting myself to a better position where I can be there for my son and my daughter in their lives and be a part of it and, you know, have conversations with them, expressing those concerns. And, you know, it's not that I want them to fear alcohol. It's that I want them to respect it. And so that is the, the idea is that, like, how do I prepare them for, look, you, you may – you know, people have different genetic, you know, flaws, if you want to say that, or, or differences, and that that is one that, you know, with mine, we may need to be careful with. And it is that awareness, I think, is the first step. You can't really control the way we're wired, but we can, aware, you know, control the way we handle that. And so I'm, I'm excited to have the opportunity to be there for them and, and hopefully help steer them in a better direction than the one I went down. Uh, the book, Down and Back, which you can find on Amazon, uh, explores two key relationships. Uh, one, as you mentioned, with your hockey-playing father and Stanley Cup champion father, and the other, just you with hockey. And I, I think one thing uh, that I found interesting is, like, your chosen lifestyles were playing hockey and professionally writing about and, you know, coaching inside mm-hmm. the hockey world. And hockey, I think, lends itself to this road, right? Like I've, I, I didn't play hockey at a level that either of you played at, uh, but I have friends who played a reasonable, reasonably high level of hockey. I went and visited them. I've hung around hockey teams. And one experience I had was being in this like hyper, hyper aggressive environment where pills are being tossed around. And mm-hmm. it seemed like everyone was going down a dangerous path because yeah, it's living the dream. It's playing hockey, but it's not, hockey at the highest level and it's not monitored the way it should be so i guess my question is like how hockey sort of en- enables behavior and and maybe uh, in, uh enables uh people who might have a problem whether it's genetic or yeah. chosen how hockey influenced sort of your experience with alcohol and alcoholism yeah you know i think that's a, a terrific question i went into the book aiming to answer or address that question um, somewhat. But the one, you know, the more I I really put time into thinking about it, I didn't want to blame. I didn't want to make hockey the bad guy here and say that, look at what hockey did to us. Cause I've talked to my dad about his concussions and, you know, alcoholism. And, you know, he says knowing where he would end up, he would do it again. Like he knew, some of the risks involved, there are risks in many walks of life. And, you know, a lot of us have to assess, are we willing to take those risks? And so that sounds like I'm then pardoning hockey fully and that I didn't want to do that either because you know, there are environments and you mentioned some risky situations where it's like the culture of hockey. And, and I, I think you can make the case that for uh, other sports as well, but there is a um, machismo, a cheering of excess, right? You go to these parties and, you know, the guy who drinks the most, I remember, you know, one kid in college is like, oh, this guy can drink 20 beers and he doesn't get drunk. And, you know, and it's like, okay, but should he be drinking 20 beers every time we go out? You know, it, it really, it pushes that sort of um, behavior because there's a competitiveness, a, you know, a rush to be the most alpha guy on every team, right? That's part of the environment too. So, I don't blame hockey. In fact, when I had a a problem and my dad had a problem, hockey has shown, the the community has shown to be there for us and rallied behind us and the support has been strong. So I appreciate it, but I'm not pardoning hockey either because there's certainly parts of it that we can improve upon um, in terms of forcing things on people, you know, whether it be the party lifestyle. And yeah, it's uh, I I tried to walk the line because it's uh, not, not either fully to blame or fully excused. How much did you find that your position, um, obviously as a, as a host here and as a someone that's on television and someone that a lot of people look at and respect, as Justin brought you in with, um, did that give you a little bit of an, an encouragement to take this next step in your journey? Or was there a bit of um, worry or hesitation that you're going to come out and, and do this on such a public level that maybe there is some feedback that you're not you know super excited to receive and how how do you walk that line of being a public figure in a sense having to share this really personal emotional part of your life but also finding a way that you are inspiring other people and other people are listening to this and and i just want to also say your interview with jd uh, earlier this week was incredible an hour everybody should go check it out um got so much good positive feedback from that like was there a little sense of pause before this happened that you were like this is a big moment for me and for my career and for who I am um, as a broadcaster? You know, I, I was really excited, sincerely excited to like get this out there. 
you know, I've, I've been on the internet long enough now that I, you know, authenticity is so important in, in able to be able to connect with people and in what we do, that's sort of important, right? Being people, being able to relate to us and for them to see us. And I have felt, you know, when I was in active addiction, I had felt like I was hiding, right? Like there's that isolation. You make, I, I was terrible. I'd make plans with people and flake out and people didn't really get to know me. And so when I came out of that and I addressed my problem and I kind of got rid of that isolation, I still felt like I had that professionally. Like, you know, I'm joking around on the radio, hey, you know, where's everyone going this weekend? You got people joking about going for beers and stuff. And I like, I can't, I didn't have the chance to be myself necessarily until I was ready to just be open with it all and have these conversations. And so now I'm excited to have these conversations. Like I love, I, you know, I went to school for psychology. I'm fascinated by the human brain and the way it works and hearing how other people have gone through what I've gone through. So I, you know what? I really didn't have any fear about being out in public with this stuff. I, it, it's honestly somewhat validating for why I was the way I was for a while. It's validating that I can, um, you know, help other people. And it's, I, I was excited before it, it happened after my dad read the book and I'm, it's been really one of the better weeks of my life this week, you know, having the chance to be led into other people's lives as well. So it's, it's all been really positive. And the best part of the interview with JD, which Ailish mentioned, was at the end talking about how uh, this has helped improve uh, the situation with your dad. And hopefully uh, it can yeah. help men, family ties. Really, really nice to hear. We don't get you on much, J- JB. So can we ask you quickly about the Leafs a little bit? Yes, of course. I appreciate it. And we need to make it happen a little bit more. I can make an effort. Let's do it, Keith. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, Rule number one for the Leafs at the deadline. Like, what can't they compromise on as they try to improve their team over the next two weeks? No half measures. I just absolutely... We had our show yesterday. You know, it's, it's Kipper and it's Sammy and Sammy's going... I, you know, I watched the, the the Tampa Bay and they're so good. I don't know if this is the year to push the chips in and Kipper's going, you know, you know, Boston's so good. I don't know if this is the year. It was like the first time I've just like ragingly disagreed with both of them. The worst thing the Leafs can do is be like, I don't know if this is the year. And you, you kind of halfway limp into a series against Tampa and then you lose in five. And all of a sudden it's the last year of the Matthews and Nylander contracts. And you're not sure if you're even going to have these guys. And, you know, you had, you were in a position to, to fight and make a swing here and you just kind of like bowed out gracefully, I, you know, I'll be really disappointed if I join you guys in three weeks and we're like, okay, let's talk about the additions of Sam Lafferty and Jake McCabe. Like I'm just going to be disappointed if that's what comes in it. So I know I don't want to trade nice either. I don't want to trade a first either, but like, if you don't take a swing, what are we doing here? Trying to win a Stanley cup. So I would like to see, something aggressive done. I want to see a name come in here and actually change how this roster looks. Uh, Born, I'm fascinated with the relationship between Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe, and I think you're the perfect person to ask because you worked for these gentlemen previously uh, with the Marlies. It seems like they get on the same page in the summer and everyone's, you know, on board. This is the plan. We're going with this. But then by the end of the year, like last year, the, uh, right before the Tampa series, talking about the fourth line mix and what Keefe maybe wants and what maybe the influence might be from management. Do you think those guys are completely and fully and wholly on the same page about how this team could be should be constructed at this precise moment? Yeah, I don't know. It's a great question. I don't know if they would be exactly on the same page right now. Like, I think in the summer, if you ask them about what they want down there, they could get on the same page philosophically. I think that they really like each other, and, you know, obviously they have a special relationship. But I think there's still a competitiveness to both of them where Sheldon wants to win, and he doesn't care if it matches up with Dubas's perfect vision or whatever, and he just wants to get to the horses he needs and Dubas at the same time, I think there's, you know, there's a little bit of ego involved, right? You want to do it the way your way, the way you've said uh, that you believe a team could win and you want to be proven right. So I, I, you know, may come down to a a matter of uh, a guy here or there too, where they disagree, but by and large, I think they're able to present a United front and they're close enough in their vision of what, what's successful that, you know, depending on the names available, I think they would agree with who to get. So it is a fascinating dynamic, and maybe there's a book to write there one day. Oh, <laughs> okay. Two. Well, think about it. Think about it with Sheldon. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this guy came from such a, a bizarre place, really. I mean, he, he bought a team in Pembroke so he could coach because no one would hire him. Mm-hmm. Now he's the coach of the Leafs, and we've just kind of 
<laughs> gone on from that. And, you know, if he were to get fired, would he have another job or is it always tied to Kyle? They have a fascinating relationship, I agree. Uh, big months ahead for them and their futures and their own relationship, I'm sure. All right. Well, you got the itch to maybe be writing, so we'll mm-hmm. we'll take a look at that one uh, down the road, Bourne. Really appreciate you joining us this morning and for being so open the last couple of weeks with your journey. And congratulations once again for your sober on Thursday. Your book came out on Tuesday. Down and back. Everybody can check that out, I think, on Amazon and in stores. So get your hands on it. And Bourne, appreciate you being a teammate of ours and uh, for coming on this morning. Yeah, thanks so much. I appreciate it. And congrats to the two of you on the success of your show there. You guys are doing awesome. Thanks so much. Justin Bourne, host of Real Kipper and Bourne, and author as well, at Down and Back on Amazon and in stores. You can check that out and take a read. Um, just a really, a really great guy. I'm really proud that he's a part of our station and that we get to help share his journey because I know there's a lot of people listening that have you know similar stories or, or similar challenges that they've faced. So hopefully you find some strength and some um, maybe some someone that gives you a little push, and that could be Justin Bourne. Yeah, uh, 100%. I can't think of anyone. And, like, the online world is obviously its its own, like, entity. But Hockey Twitter, capital H, capital T. If, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anyone more respected than Bourne. And the fact that he's been able to use that platform for which he is immense, immensely respected on. And, of course, it goes way beyond that. I just think it's going to be such a positive influence within the hockey world and beyond. So congratulations again to him uh, on the book. And, more importantly, where he's at in his life. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to reading that this weekend. Um, all right, we're going to take a break. We have Brian Anderson, NBA on TNT play-by-play announcer on the other side. He's going to be down in Utah calling the big all-star game weekend. Uh, we caught up with him yesterday to run through a bunch of stuff, including his iconic call of LeBron James overtaking the all-time NBA scoring title and where that ranks and, and things he's been able to call. That's next on the other side of the break.